I'm the goat of Disney. I eat everything. All right, everybody, it's Corey story time. So kick back, relax, put your feet up, and get ready to listen to this one. We're not just going to report Disney news and just talk about it. I mean, that's already been done a million times. But then again, we do love Disney news. We will talk about some. This is not your grandfather's Disney podcast. So I'm watching this new thing on Netflix. Let's talk about it. So Tammy has me running all over Disney World looking for this new lounge fly. Jillian loves China so much that if she was ever lost, she would need a tag on her shirt that says, If lost, return me to China. Jacob's my dude. Jacob is my tech man. He makes me sound good. Hello and welcome everybody to the latest podcast. We have a wonderful lineup of subjects and things to talk about today. And I believe this will be better than the previous podcast. And of course, right, you're only judged by your latest podcast. So you always have to step up your game, right? So today we will start off with Disney Parks blog news for Disney Cruise Lines. We will move on to our food reviews as we have visited Festival of the Arts. That content is available over on YouTube at Living in Diz, D-I-Z. And you can watch the video version of that where we ate 10 items. Today, we put that all in, we wrap it all up in a bow for you so that you can get a nice little summary of what we thought. And sometimes my opinion changes a little bit the day after, so it might skew ever so slightly in today's podcast. We have Corey's story time, and you're not going to want to miss this one. It's all about underwear. Yes, I said it. Underwear. And... In our attractions feature that we will feature every single podcast, we are paying homage and have comments on none other than Splash Mountain. You have to do Splash Mountain as coming up is Splash Mountain Week, where Splash Mountain will no longer be able to be ridden at Disneyland and Disney World. I know here at Disney World, it is January 23rd. We will be there. We will speak about Splash Mountain, and I will also bring on Jillian as we go back and forth and talk about Splash. We will also throw in a segment that I am excited to debut this time around. It is Impressions. We'll be doing some impressions of The Grinch, and you can enjoy those at your own, shall I say, leisure. And much much more so or not much more there's plenty there so let's get started time now to visit some disney news and i will always give credit to where we're doing that i'm going to pull most of my stuff i think from disney parks blogs because it truly is the best place to get your news Uh, And with this, we can kind of get some things that aren't commonly reported, I think, which we don't like to be like everyone else. So, uh, caught this article Wednesday, January 18th. It was posted on Disney Parks blog, and it talks about new fireworks show 
special castaway club gift announced for Disney Cruise Lines Silver Anniversary at Sea. So, I mean, Disney has so many outlets, parks, cruises, movies, just so many things where I think from any given year, they're celebrating a milestone. So 25 years of Disney Cruise Line is what we're talking about here. And here are some of the ways that they are celebrating. So from dazzling new entertainment offerings and family activities to inspire or inspired menu items and a themed merchandise collection. There is so much to look forward to on board all five ships from May through September of 2023 with the official celebration beginning in just a few months. They are excited to reveal more details about the brand new magic you can experience during Disney's silver anniversary at sea is the official title of what they're calling it. Watch a new fireworks show light up the night. In 1998, Disney Cruise Line made history as the first cruise line to ever produce a fireworks show at sea. In the 25 years since, fireworks have remained a quintessential part of the Disney Cruise Line experience, inspiring core memories for generations of dreamers. Today, Disney is thrilled to share that the night sky will shine even brighter this summer as a shimmering new fireworks display premieres on select silver anniversary at sea itineraries. Created in honor of Disney Cruise Line's 25th anniversary, the limited time evening extravaganza will uphold the cherished Disney tradition of fireworks and honor Disney's continuing legacy of adventure. The dazzling spectacular will be set to the tunes of iconic and beloved Disney music and anchoring the show will be a brand new signature song created especially for the silver anniversary at sea. The 25th anniversary fireworks show will be featured on most Bohemian, Caribbean, and Mediterranean cruises this very summer. Say cheers during a shimmering soiree. A captain's reception is a well-known cruising tradition that has been enjoyed by Disney Cruise Line guests since the very beginning. In honor of Disney's silver anniversary at sea, they are reimagining this time-honored event into a -a one-of-a-kind celebratory experience, adding an extra dose of magic to the sailings this summer. On one evening, each cruise, guests will be invited to join their ship's captain and a cruise director in the atrium for an anniversary toast. The festive affair will feature appearances from Captain Mickey Mouse and Captain Minnie Mouse, dressed for the occasion in the shimmering new looks, of course, and a delightful rendition of the Silver Anniversary at Sea theme song. And lastly, there will be a limited edition Castaway Club gift If you've sailed Disney Cruise Line before, you can be part of the best club on the high seas, the Castaway Club, which recognizes returning Disney Cruise Line guests with exclusive rewards and perks. Disney's excited to announce that all Castaway Club members who sailed during the Silver Anniversary at Sea this summer will receive a limited edition framed art print in their stateroom to commemorate 
this once-in-a-lifetime celebration until supplies last. This art was created by Disney artist Joe Kaminsky, whose work is featured in the art of Disney galleries in Disney resort hotels and Disney cruise line ships. And uh, you receive one 11 by 14 framed print, which will be delivered per stateroom. So now is your chance to take part in a milestone celebration 25 years in the making. You can find all of Disney's summer 2023 itineraries on DisneyCruise.com. And I also will say, check out Claudia Anderson of Your Magical Adventures Await, who can set you up with any of these cruises and anywhere Disney. Just go to livingindiz.com and you can check out all of her information there. And trust me, she is the best. And if you book with her, you also get a special luggage tag with Living in Diz, with the Living in Diz logo on it. Really cool. So I think that'll do it for today's news. Let's get to the rest of the podcast. The time has come for the portion of the podcast where we like to talk about a featured attraction around Walt Disney World. I'm sure at some point we'll venture outside of Walt Disney World. Some of the history of the attractions we'll talk about in Walt Disney World also carry over to other parks because they're not always limited to just one park. Today, I thought it was very, very fitting to do none other than Splash Mountain because at the time of this recording, Splash Mountain will be closed in four days. And we plan on riding that in a couple of days and on the final night. Unfortunately, my original plan was to be the last guest to ride Splash Mountain. And I think we could have pulled that off. I don't think it would have been that difficult. I literally was going to stand with the cast member and say, let me know when you're about to close the queue and I will enter. Because who else should close rides out? We close them out on a nightly basis. So it would it would not be more fitting than for me to get on and close this thing out. Maybe have Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear ride with me. How about that? That would be classic. I could totally go for that. So before we get into personal opinions and feelings, let's just go over facts that we know. Splash Mountain is a log flume at Disneyland. Disneyland Tokyo, Magic Kingdom, based on animated sequences of the 1946 Disney film Song of the South. Although there are variations in the story and features between the three locations, each installation begins with a peaceful outdoor float-through that leads to indoor dark ride segments with a climactic steep drop into the Briar Patch, followed by an indoor finale, which I love with the chickens, just heads are in the air, heads are up and arms are in the air, their eyes are closed. Oh man, those chickens just could not be happier. And by the way, the drop is 52.5 feet or 16 meters if you're playing outside of the U.S. In June of 2020, 
it was announced that the U.S. versions of the ride would be receiving a new themed based on Disney's 2009 film, The Princess and the Frog. The new ride will be titled Tiana's Bayou Adventure. It is scheduled to open at Disneyland and Magic Kingdom late 2024. The Magic Kingdom version of Splash Mountain will close on January 23rd, 2020. And that's when we will be riding. Once again, if you do hear Mushu in the background, I can't shut that bird up. So just say hello, Mushu. Um, so here's a little bit of the story behind the ride. Kind of how you ride through the story. The plot behind Splash Mountain is a composite of several Uncle Remus stories. The different versions of Splash Mountain feature similar stories, albeit with small differences. Each ride presents scenes taken from the animated segments of the film Song of the South, telling the story of Br'er Rabbit, the protagonist, a mischievous character who leaves his home in search of adventure. Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear, the antagonists of the story, are determined to catch him, but are repeatedly tricked into letting him free. The sharp-witted Br'er Rabbit avoids a snare trap and uses it to trap Br'er Bear instead. Br'er Rabbit continues on his journey to find his laughing place. Out of curiosity, his foes follow, but only for Br'er Rabbit to lead them into the cavern of bees. Br'er Fox eventually catches Br'er Rabbit in a beehive and threatens to roast him. Br'er Rabbit uses reverse psychology on Br'er Fox, begging the fox not to throw him into the briar patch. As described in The Tar Baby, which is um, one of those segments of the story, Br'er Fox then throws Br'er Rabbit into the briar patch represented by the ride's flume drop. Br'er Rabbit escapes uninjured. The other animals rejoice to have Br'er Rabbit back home, while Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear are last seen narrowly escaping the jaws of Br'er Gator. So that's the whole story. Um, I just enjoy the ride. I, I, I guess I didn't pick up on some of these items, especially where the drop represents um Br'er Rabbit being dropped into the Briar Patch. The history of Splash Mountain was originally conceived in the summer of 1983 by Imagineer Tom Baxter while stuck in rush hour traffic on his way to work. He wanted to attract guests to the often empty Bear Country Land in Disneyland, with the only attraction as the Country Bear Jamboree, which later closed in 2001, plus a souvenir shop and make use of the audio animatronics figures from the Disneyland attraction America Sings, which was poorly attended. It was Dick Nunes, who then president of Walt Disney Attractions, who insisted that the Imagineers create a log flume for Disneyland. But the engineers, or the Imagineers, I should say, were initially unenthusiastic about it, feeling that log flumes were too ordinary a theme park attraction to include in a Disney park. 
while trying to solve the problems of including a log flume, bringing people into bear country and reusing the America Sings figures, Baxter thought of Song of the South. Baxter and his team developed the concept of Zippity River Run, which would incorporate scenes from Song of the South. The name was later changed to Splash Mountain after then-CEO Michael Eisner's suggestion that the attraction be used to help market Walt Disney Studios' 1984 film Splash. Whoever would have thought that you would connect Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah's Splash to Splash Mountain? Wow. And I said mountain. How about mountain? The character figures from America Sings were used in many of the scenes, though all of the Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, and Br'er Bear figures were specifically designed for Splash Mountain. Construction began at Disneyland in April of that year, by which is 1987, and by that time Splash Mountain, whose budget had risen greatly to $75 million, had become one of the most expensive projects created by Walt Disney Imagineering. The entire park cost around $17 million to build in 1955, which translates to around $80 million in 1987. On January 14, 1990, Disney announced that Splash Mountain would be added to Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. In 1991, construction began for the attraction at Magic Kingdom and Tokyo Disneyland. On January 17, 1992, soft openings began at Magic Kingdom. The two versions of Splash Mountain officially opened within a day of each other. In October of 1992, the Tokyo Disneyland attraction opened on October 1st. And the Magic Kingdom attraction opened on October 2nd. As the Magic Kingdom in Tokyo Parks never had an America Sings attraction, all of the animatronic figures were created specifically for their respective versions of Splash Mountain, similar in the design to the Disneyland figures. In the late 1990s, the attraction received the nickname Flash Mountain, that's F as in Frank, Flash Mountain, as some female riders would briefly expose their breasts during the descent, hoping to make illicit use of the in-ride photographs that Disney later sells to ride patrons. In January 2011, Splash Mountain at Magic Kingdom received lap bars for its ride vehicles. Each row of two to three passengers shares one lap bar. Meanwhile, Tokyo Disneyland receiving individual lap bars makes the height restriction five inches shorter than the other two versions, which makes sense. Because if you get somebody bigger going in, like a single lap bar just doesn't make sense to me in any ride. Because if you're traveling with kids or people smaller than you, there's going to be somebody riding with you that is not super secure. Like, it just seems so unsafe. So... It is good that they did that at least in one in one section. So maybe when they redo Tiana, maybe they will fix that. I think that's a good idea. I remember this in 2018, in the 2018 season, the Magic Kingdom located location received a new sponsorship by Ziploc. The company created custom plastic bags to protect belongings for guests who rode the attraction. It was a big deal 
to get your hands on some Ziploc bags. And they usually sold out, not sold out because they gave them away. They usually ran out of those, I believe, by like noon or sooner. So upcoming will be Tiana's Bayou Adventure. And just a few more stats before I throw down some comments here. Disneyland, uh, Splash Mountain is... is um, Located in Critter Country, and once again, operating date was July 17th, 1989. Tokyo Disneyland also has Critter Country, opening October 1st, 1992. Magic Kingdom Frontierland, October 2nd, 1992. So, the number of drops, there's several drops, five drops in Orlando, three drops in Disneyland, and Tokyo has four. That I did not know at all. Height restriction is 35 inches. Now it is time to kind of just dip into what we think about this whole ordeal. And I'm going to bring in the wonderful, the beautiful, the exciting, everybody hangs on her last word. My daughter, Jillian. Hey, everyone. So we're speaking on Splash Mountain and its rich history. Um, yeah, I really hate to say it, but it's incredibly racist and it's not OK. So I'm actually kind of glad that they're taking it out. But um, there's certain like hidden gems almost. I wouldn't call it a gem, but I guess in different like different little things in Splash Mountain that are incredibly racist and you can kind of pick it up like the laughing place that is supposed to be the ghetto or the ghettos that people used to live in or like for example when Br'er Bear was hung up you know there's this one part if you've never been on Splash Mountain where Br'er Bear is hung almost by a noose but they try to cover it up by hanging up his feet as well but it's clearly tied as a noose. And Br'er Bear is depicted as African-American or Black. So it's it's something for sure. So with, with those kinds of things, um, they sound like they make sense from what you're saying about them. But how do we think those things came about because... Disney didn't intentionally do that, right? We can't think that they intentionally would do that. No, but they did. And the movie originally was called Song of the South. And that's how it was in the South. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. You know, the South has history there. Um, What do you think about... I didn't know any of this stuff. So it took somebody to like bring this to light. To me, it's always just been a fun-loving ride with cute animals. I had no idea about this stuff until it was brought up, what, two, three years ago? Um, so are we, are we saying, are we thinking as a society, I think that it's, it's not okay to ignore that and just leave it as a fun ride and just like ignore the, the other stuff in the background? No, I don't think it's okay to ignore it because of exactly their rich history. Um, It's really bad. It's really horrible. And yeah, it should be brought to light. 
but it's also not okay that they made a whole entire ride out of it and try to cover it up with cute animals because you can obviously like you can obviously tell that the antagonist had um an accent of the south and you can tell that Br'er Rabbit was depicted as a white person especially by their accent um I don't know. There is this, like I said, there's little different things. Like, for example, like the laughing place, like I said, is depicted as a ghetto. So, because it's all dark and it's not a good place. So, as opposed to, I forgot what it's called. The other, the other part where all the animals sing and everything. They're like, oh, don't go to the laughing place. And it's all bright, colorful, fun until you get to the laughing place. So this this is a good conversation. I like where it's going. So like, I think we could probably wrap it up soon. So with you, you know, saying that, you know, the noose was done in a certain way and the laughing place is meant to be the ghetto, but most of us, it would blow right over our heads and look at it as a cute ride. But if those were there and those are kind of made to cover up a little bit, so do we think it's possible that Disney did want to present it as a very cute ride and market it that way and try to pull out, um, how can I say it, all the good, innocent things of the movie, but knowing that there's certain things there that aren't okay, so we'll just take a piece pieces of that story and, and cover it up just enough, you know, to gloss over it so no one may notice, but it took somebody um several years to notice it does that make sense yeah i can totally get that i think they try to make it into a cutesy little ride but you can definitely tell if you really analyze the ride and the briar patch and the laughing place such as little and there's little things inside the ride as i've said many times that you can just really realize and like hey that's kind of weird that's also not okay because of the way the characters are depicted and their living places and spaces it's i feel like yeah they definitely try to cover it up but someone really realized hey this is not okay and someone watched song of the south or many people have and was like, hey, this is not okay. This is very, very racist in many different ways. And there is definitely reason as to why you can't purchase the movie anywhere or watch it anywhere. And Disney realized their mistake. And I'm finally glad that Splash Mountain is gone because it is based on Song of the South. And there is no doubt as to there's racist elements of the ride and definitely of the movie song with the south that was a really good conversation between you and me about finally talking that out it makes me a little bit more okay with saying goodbye to splash mountain i'm totally okay with saying bye to it as of its history and i just don't think it's good i mean okay when i was younger and i didn't really understand you know it was cute it was good but once you really learn what it's about and what it's been and its history, especially Song of the South, yeah, I'm so okay with saying goodbye. And I'm really excited for Tiana's Bayou Adventure. Very, very sad to say goodbye to what felt like a child, uh, a childhood uh, 
a child ride. Well, they're all it's Disney, right? Classic ride is what I'm looking at. Yeah. Um, sad to say goodbye to all of what felt like that, but certainly um, makes you feel good to move on from something that kind of represents something else. No, so, it 100% yeah. totally represents, you know, racism and how it was, especially back in the 60s. And we still haven't recovered from this kind of stuff, unfortunately, but I'm totally okay with saying goodbye. Yeah. So that's going to wrap up our segment on this podcast for our WDW attraction feature. And um, thanks for chiming in, honey. I knew it would be on the 100. Of course. And thank you so much, as always, for listening to the podcast. So in the previous podcast, we talked about a preview of what we were excited about for food at Farts, which, of course, is Festival of the Arts. Just a fun play on words that we all like to do as locals. I don't know if tourists do that too, but the locals definitely love doing that. And I have to say that I have never been more proud of Jacob and I. I was going to say the family, but Tammy was mainly an observer until she got to Germany, and we'll talk about that. But we took down to my account 10 dishes, 10 items. And I, that is, it, I, it's got to be a living in Diz record live on stream for a single stream to take down, take down 10 items. So I'm very proud of that. And I didn't care. Like budget did not matter. It's like, let's just see how much food this goat can throw down his gullet. And then when we were finished with that and we rode Ratatouille, what did I want to do? I wanted to go take down a French burger at Connections Cafe because I was starving. And Tammy was hungry too. So that's what we did. It was a total eat stream for sure. And gosh, I mean, the stream started at 3.30 and finished at like 10.30 at night. 10 10, something like that. So very proud of that. So let's get right to it. So at the El Artista Hambriento, they had three items, carne asada, harache de champianos, and flan de coco. Let me tell you, all three things there were amazing. I believe if I'm correct... We gave them a five out of five or really, really close. Um, the flan was a five. The carne asada was a five. And the harache de Championos was close to a five, I believe. The pinto beans really came through with the Championos, uh, which was a winner for me. I like the pinto beans. And the carne asada with, the, again, the chipotle marinated beef sirloin and sweet potato puree with fried onions. Great combinations. Really, really good. The meat was tasty. It was moist. Yes. And the flan, Neil was like head over heels over that thing. He gave it a 50 out of five Mickeys. 
And that had the coconut flan, guava sauce, and whipped cream. He absolutely loved it. And it was really good. It was really good. It was a whole different take on flan. It wasn't just what you typically might get with flan. There were those added things. And I think it was the guava sauce. The guava sauce just put it into another atmosphere. And so the Mexico booth was a winner. If you like Mexican food, go there and order every single item there. And just so you know, every booth has um, typically three items on average. So just go get everything. The, the next place that we visited was Pastoral Palette. Pastoral Palette was in Germany, and they had the red wine braised beef short rib, the wild boar cassoulet, and the black forest cake. So the red wine braised beef short rib was very, very popular as when we ordered it, there probably was a backup of seven or eight people just waiting for their portion. And when it finally came out and we tried it, it had parsnip puree, broccolini, baby tomatoes, and aged balsamic vinegar. And to Jacob, the game winner with that one was the balsamic vinegar. It I missed a little bit of it. And he's like, dad, you got to try the balsamic. And I was like, whoa, the meat was good on its own. But man, you, 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 you know, you soak that meat in that, in that uh, balsamic and forget about it. Five out of five across the board on that one. The wild boar cassoulet with duck confit, ham hock, and wild boar sausage. The wild boar sausage was very good. Um, it wasn't super moist but it wasn't dry and you got a decent portion of that and we liked it. Um, if I had to guess, probably gave the wild boar a, a, like an average, give or take a four out of five. Now, you know, you can always fact, fact check me on these things. Um, but I think that's about where we were with that. And we could give a five out of five with a black forest cake, which was chocolate mousse, with Morello cherries and Chantilly cream. Now we start eating the first piece, which was the red wine braised beef short rib. And Tammy, you know, was all about, you know, I just want some black forest cake. I look down and half the beef short rib is gone. And while we're talking, she decides she's going to start digging into the other food. So, which I'm happy for because we want her to eat as much as we're eating, but she's super picky. Um, but it was just funny that she was getting into the beef short rib without us even knowing. So I thought that was good. Pastoral palate. Germany always brings their A game. Totally support each and every piece of food over there in Germany. And it was good. You're lucky I didn't eat the whole thing while you were chit-chatting. Yeah, I know. I looked down and I was like, whoa. Whoa, do we need to get her own short rib to the festival as a family one more time? I'll be visiting the festival several more times in between. So we will have more cracks at some other items. I will hold off on some of the newer items that I think Jacob might want to try or Tammy or Jillian. And I may revisit some of the favorites or try some things that I don't think that they would try. So many more times we'll be visiting that. You can watch it on the live stream. 
and or here at the podcast, you can listen for the reviews and take your notes. Festival of the Arts 2023. If you're a fan of our channel, Living in Diz, for some kind of time, you've been enjoying Disney through the eyes of our family. So what about enjoying Disney through your own eyes? How can you accomplish that? You'll want to contact Victor Naraki. With over a decade of helping people find the homes of their dreams right near Disney, Victor is the perfect realtor of La Rosa Realty Horizons to help you find the home of your dreams. Simply go to DisneyAtYourDoorstep.com. That's DisneyAtYourDoorstep.com. And don't forget to tell him that Living in Diz sent you. If you're about to start planning your next vacation, book your next vacation with your magical adventures await. Claudia is creating Disney adventures worldwide. She can create a magical adventure to Walt Disney World Florida, any Disney park worldwide, Disney Cruise Lines, Alani Resort in Hawaii, guided group vacation with adventures by Disney, and she's also a Universal Studios expert. If you book with her, her services are free. Disney pays her to help you create a seamless, magical adventure. Her availability is really unmatched. You can contact her Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m., Saturday and Sunday, 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. Make your magical planner Claudia Anderson from Your Magical Adventures await. 956-455-8049 or Check her out on Instagram with instant message, Claudia Anderson, all one word. That's C-L-A-U-D-I-A-I-N-D-R-I-D-S-O-N. And as a special bonus, if you book with her, all traveling members of your party will receive a special Living in Diz luggage tag. So make sure you let her know that we sent you. All right, everyone, it's Corey story time. So as I like to say, kick back, relax, put your feet up, because I got a doozy. I was just uh, working on the podcast, and Tammy came in to interrupt like she usually does. And she shows me, she's in the middle of doing laundry, she shows me a pair of my underwear, and it had literally had a burr in it. She goes, I don't know what you're doing outside. When you're doing uh, yard work in your underwear, but I don't know how this got inside your underwear, but there's like a burr. Like, I'm talking like those sticky little things with spiky little pieces. I have no explanation for that, and I assure you that I am not doing yard work in my underwear. Are you sure? I don't know. You might want to check check me. I don't know. It's possible because we just ordered some new yard tools and uh, shout out to uh, a guy I know who worked for basically DeWalt for many years, and he gets a wonderful discount. So I've purchased some things, and one thing that I really needed was I needed the cordless. Ah, it's escaping me at the moment, but it's you know like it's a cordless. We're just gonna call it like a trimmer. I think that's what it is. It's a cordless trimmer. To, to trim your hedges and things like that. And uh, 
I was so excited when I came home. Actually, I literally picked it up while I was working, stopped by home, plugged in the battery so that when I came home after work, it would be ready to go. And Tammy and I have had these two shrubs in the front of the garage that were just growing out of control. And she's like, I hate them. So I'm like, why don't we trim it way down and we'll see how it looks. So I couldn't wait to come home and do that. So this was like playing with a new toy for me. Come home, put the battery on, go outside. I start trimming up the sides of this thing, cutting across the top. Ooh, looking good. And I'm like, ooh, this thing is, this thing does well when you try to hold it steady and you go with a straight line. I'm like, ooh, I can get creative here. So, you know, I did that and she has a good size flag that that waves in our garden and that's had some overgrowth too because of the lack of the tool and it was tearing up her flag so I started to trim all that out now and I came home today and I told her I said I'm giving it some thought here I think I should because we kind of hate all the bushes that are in there to begin with it came with the house that's what the builders chose to put in for shrubbery and uh, Tammy goes, make it a Mickey Mouse. <laughs> and I was like, oh, ooh, I could do that. She's like, no, 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 don't even try. I'm like, you don't trust me? But I'm not going to rule it out. That's for sure. But my point was of this whole thing of Corey's story time was she did come in. She showed me the burr in my underwear. So maybe I was just so excited to get out there and cut this thing up. Maybe I just ran in, changed out of my work clothes and forgot to put in regular clothes and just went outside and, and, and cut some stuff up. So rule learned is to make sure you're fully clothed while you do your yard work. That's Corey story time <laughs> for this podcast. So one thing that's become really popular on our live streams is me doing impressions. Um, I do have quite a few of them that I do do. Uh, I'll try almost anything, but I feel like I have a really good grip on what I do well and how well or how well I don't do it. But I'll always preface that, you know, somebody will say, oh, try this. And I'll be like, well. I'll try it, but I'm not guaranteeing it's going to be very good. But I know what I'm really good at, too. So today, for the very first segment of doing impressions, and I'm going to try to do this for all or most podcasts as a little section, probably namely towards the end, but um, The Grinch was so popular during Christmas where we were doing some live streams from over there at Universal Studios and I you know I was in the spirit of the Grinch we were we showed the Grinch musical um, we were in Universal Studios it was just so Christmassy and my mom loves it when I do it Tammy just goes to pieces when I do my Grinch impressions we now we're talking the Jim Carrey style so let's do three of my favorites and um, you can enjoy them so this is a segment that you can look forward to from now on as we, you know, some more Grinch ones might show up. I do a really good Yoda and there's others 
you know, Forrest Gump, blah, blah, blah. So we'll come up with more and um, enjoy the Grinch. Four o'clock, wallow in self-pity. 4.30, stare into the abyss. Five o'clock, solve world hunger. Tell no one. 5.30, jazzercise. 6.30, dinner with me. I can't cancel that again. 7 o'clock, wrestle with myself, loathing. I'm booked! Of course, if I bump the loathing to 9, I could still be done in time to lay in bed, stare at the ceiling, and slip slowly into madness. It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. That is going to do it for podcast number two. We covered some really good items, had a great time talking with you all. Whether you're listening in your car, at home, with your earbuds, you're at the gym, walking, running, whatever you're doing, really, really appreciate the support as Lemmy and Diz continues to come at you in as many ways that we can come up with that are making it possible. And so want to make sure that you're checking out all of our outlets. Number one, the granddaddy of them all. Make sure you like, subscribe the streams if you're watching the Well, subscribe. Subscribe to our channel at uh, on YouTube, Living in Diz. We're live from Disney Parks two to three times a week and sometimes universal. We have a ton of fun. We're a unique channel because we bring it with a teenage girl, 16 years old, who doesn't mind letting you know exactly how she thinks. And we have my son, Jacob, who's 14, who is like my sidekick. And he doesn't speak much, but when he does, you want to listen. He's one of those dudes. And of course, my wife and I, when we have fun on Saturdays, the whole family joins me on Saturdays. I'm usually out on my own during the week, but we all toe the line together on Saturdays. And those streams are massively long. They usually start in the three o'clock hour and they usually go up. They go at least up until park close and, and usually beyond that. So depending on the park we're at, we can actually finish at like midnight no joke so i just tell people you know settle in grab your snacks get comfortable on the couch and uh, get ready to spend the entire afternoon and evening with us from disney parks you can also check us out on the swell app those are five minute podcasts they are known as swell casts and we drop those randomly throughout the week the ones you can count on the most are the post live stream walkout stream um, po- uh, pods, which um, we do after a stream in the park. And it's just sharing my quick thoughts about how I thought the stream went. I talk a little tech sometimes and whatever popped up that's worth mentioning in under, you know, five minutes uh, is really cool. And the cool thing about the Swell app is you can leave audio comments. 
and sometimes I do respond to them. So that's kind of fun. We can have a back and forth sometimes. Depends on the subject sometimes. But there you go. All you have to do is go to any mobile app store, download the Swell app, and look us up. All one word, living in Diz. And not sure what platform you're listening to us on here for the podcast, but we are available on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcast and Music. And as of the recording of this at the moment on January 19th, we are not yet available on iTunes, but I assure you that should be coming within the next 10 days or so. And it'll be just fun to say that we're available on iTunes. Where else are we available? We are also available at our website. We have the best Disney World YouTube site out there hands down and you can also access the latest live streams you can access uh when you catch it when it's updated immediately if you catch it right after that you can check out our next three live streams get a sneak peek as to where we're going on youtube you can also enter your email address so that you can get exclusive emails announcing the next stream and if there's ever any news to drop our email subscribers are the first to know so lots of cool things there the Diz shop is there we actually have tons of merch t-shirts mugs hoodies aprons all kinds of things and you can access them there too we also have ways to donate which people can access uh, pretty much during the live streams we have the Diz club and we have patreon and those that information you can access that uh, basically just go to youtube and jump on any live stream or um, recorded you know after the fact uh, recorded uh, video that we have you know once the live stream's done it stays in the library. You click on one of those, and all the details are in the description there. And uh, you could certainly sign up there. Uh, at this time, these podcasts are all free. Uh, and at some point, you know, once we build an audience, we may do something where, you know, we do one a week and maybe two are free and, you know, for a small donation because this is a lot of work. As this is a lot of work. It's more work than a live stream. So, uh, you know, we may make 50% of them, you know, payable. But we'll see. We'll see how that goes. No promises. So, we've covered it all for Jacob and Jillian and Mushu, who likes to be part of the podcast, and Tammy. I'm Corey from Living in Diz, and thank you so much for allowing Disney to be part of our life with you yeah i said it which i really meant to say was thank you so much for allowing us to be your ticket to disney when we're live and also we'll see you in the parks and we'll see you on the next pod